it's understanding that the body very much lives in the present moment. It's our mind that is wandering between things that have happened in the past that are perhaps fueling those fears and also fears of things that might and anxiety towards things that might be happening in the future. And actually by teaching our mind to instruct our body to feel how we want it to feel in that moment, we can start to visualise that we're in that at that moment and our body in that moment will feel the sensations that we can then replicate when we come into that situation in the future. And that is the voice of Alice Bull, a qualified sophrologist. More of that in a moment. She specialises in sleep management, dealing with stress and overcoming anxiety. Unbelievably useful topics right now. This is the Lizard Wellbeing Show, the podcast helping us all have a better second half. I'm Liz Earle and I'm on a bit of a mission to find ways for all of us to thrive in later life by investing in our health and our well-being today. And of course, sleep and stress always front of mind, I think, especially as we step into a new year and setting new goals, hopefully prioritising sleep. I have to say, if that's one thing I've learned in the last couple of years, it's just how important our sleep is. It's not just a nice to have. It really is top of my priority. List. Well, Alice Bull has a background in working for large corporate firms and high-level sporting organisations, so she absolutely understands the pressures and the demands of peak performance. Through a mind and body technique called sophrology, I'll let her explain how all that works in just a second, she works with people to help them manage stress, overcome a fear of performance and really help manage their emotions. It's all about empowering us to take control of our minds and relax our bodies. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewellery from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Alice, it is great to have you here. I've heard the word sophrology before, but I don't really understand it. Can you explain? Absolutely. Thank you so much, Liz, for having me. Um, it's a real pleasure. Uh, yes, sophrology is actually a mind and body technique, which is really relatively unknown in the UK. It is a way of really relaxing the body and then calming the mind so that we can really start to tap into some uh, the subconscious mind to really notice the thoughts, the emotions, the feelings, and actually start to see whether we can perhaps change some of those feelings and become a lot more positive about 
about perhaps looking back at some of the memories we've had in the past that perhaps weren't so favorable and changing, changing, taking the emotional sting out of those and being able to make them a more positive feeling in the body and creating this conscious awareness of our emotions, how they affect our body, our thoughts and the effect that that has on our body as well. And it's really a very um, simple, practical, guided method that includes uh, breathing techniques, so learning how to breathe properly, which is essential, um, and then tension release exercises, so being able to stress the muscles and then release the tension out of them. We then do some gentle movement. Um, this is very much around the uh, stretching, but not a yoga. They are yoga poses, but they're not hugely needing to be physical. They're very gentle poses just to relax uh, the body. And then we do some meditation and also some visualizations, which are really powerful, um, especially when working with people who've got things that they're nervous about coming up in the future. So that might be a new job interview, or it might be that they're going to a party and they're nervous about being around people because they haven't been out so much. And it's a really, really simple technique that people can use anywhere so they can use it on the go and uh, we I provide most of my clients with audios that are really short that they then listen to and are able to just do those whether that might be on a commute or it might be at home when they've got moments between taking children to school and it's, it's something that was set up by a neuropsychologist back in the 1960s in Barcelona. And he was treating soldiers with PTSD at the time. And at the time, he thought this is they were doing the electric shock into the brain. And he thought there's got to be a better way of treating the consciousness. And, and why are we shaking it? Why can't we find other ways of helping? So he went and studied yoga. He spent time with the Dalai Lama as well. He studied and Buddhism. And then he studied neurology, psychology, psychiatry, hypnosis, and he spent 10 years putting together sophrology. And it brings in so many of the different elements. So it brings in uh, some hypnosis, it brings in the uh, breathing techniques, I said, some neuro-linguistic programming as well, all together in this fantastic sort of technique. And it started to then get adopted in clinical settings. So they used it very much in obstetrics. They used, started using it in hospitals where people were having fears of MRI scans or fears of uh, during pregnancy of childbirth. They then started to move it out into sport and now it's grown across Europe and it's been very popular in Europe, both in schools. So children are taught sophrology a lot of the time in French schools, particularly to help them deal with stress and anxiety. It's used in businesses, healthcare, still in the hospitals, and also in high-level sport as well. So it's starting to come over here. There's about 200 trained sophrologists in this country dealing with different areas. So some with eating disorders, some with education and young children, some myself um, working with adults, whether that's in business or high-performance athletes. And um, it's, it is starting to grow, so, which is great. And it's getting people to understand what it's about, really. Amazing. I love that idea of connecting the mind and the body and having mm. influence over how we feel. I mean, I have to say, just listening to you there, I, I started to breathe more deeply, become more conscious with my breathing. I was doing a little few shoulder stretches. So I guess if there was some sort of Venn diagram with Western science on one side and then Eastern philosophies on the other, 
does sophrology kind of combine the two in the middle? Because you're obviously talking about use in hospitals and sort of medical clinical practice, but also a lot about visualisation and meditation, which is perhaps seen as perhaps more alternative or complementary. Yes, definitely. There's certainly elements of psychology and more of the science-based practices in it. Um, and also a lot of the um, Buddhist practices, a lot of Zen, the relaxation techniques, the yoga techniques, the understanding the breathing and that sort of brings those two together and so a lot of it is and it's important that it is scientifically based that there is scientific research into a lot of the processes it's very much about understanding the psychology of how the mind works and how uh, the brain interprets through our five senses information how that changes our perceptions of things so for someone for example going into a hospital setting who may have a fear of an MRI scan actually being able to teach them simple relaxation processes but also using the sort of more of the psychology aspect of understanding where that fear is coming from but also preparing the brain the mind to actually visualize themselves going into that situation in a more relaxed state and we're very it's understanding that the body very much lives in the present moment it's our mind that is wandering between things that have happened in the past that are perhaps fueling those fears and also fears of things that might and anxiety towards things that might be happening in the future And actually by teaching our mind to instruct our body to feel how we want it to feel in that moment, we can start to feel ourselves, say, for example, going into an MRI scan, we can actually visualize that we're in that at that moment. And our body in that moment will feel the sensations that we can then replicate when we come into that situation in the future. Uh, Because ultimately the future is empty. We're just taking our mind to that future, perhaps going in for that scan. But actually, if we can start to feel those sensations in the body of relaxation and calm, then that really helps for the situations we're worried about in the future. Mm. It makes perfect sense. And it's lovely that you've explained it just so clearly. And also that it's evidence-based. Am I right that in Switzerland, it's actually reimbursed by the Swiss National Insurance? I guess that's evidence there of just how effective a technique it's considered to be yes yes it is it is um part of the swiss national insurance um also in france they have sleep hospitals and clinics it's very much a part of the healthcare system in france as well so it's um it's very widely recognized uh, the person that i First, when I first became aware of it, there was a lady who was Swiss and she had actually been an osteopath for 10 years. And she started to notice that everyone that she was seeing, pretty much all of them, all the symptoms that they were expressing in their bodies were actually as a result of things that were going on in their minds. So when she started to then discuss with them what the problems were that they were encountering in their daily life and how that then was being expressed in their body. She then moved from osteopathy into sophrology because of the connection was so strong. That's absolutely fascinating. And we'll talk in a moment about how you work with people to improve sleep, which is obviously so fundamental, and as well as managing their emotions and setting goals and all of that in a bit. But how did you first get into this world? You talked about the Swiss lady. What was your personal connection to it all? Um, it's, it was, I came about it in a roundabout way, actually, because about 
13 years ago, well, actually, no, well, 20 years ago, I was diagnosed with the BRCA1 gene. Um, my grandmother had died at 34 and my mother died at 58. So oh, I'd gosh. had about 20 years ago, I had the test for the BRCA1 gene, discovered I did have it. And so I ended up for a long time, I was having blood tests and MRI scans. And then I had to make the decision when I was, my children were very young to, first of all, have my breasts uh, removed prophylactically and then to have my ovaries removed as well, because the, the BRCA1 gene was giving me a very high risk of developing breast and ovarian cancer. Then after that, became very interested in my body, first of all, through nutrition and just what I was putting into my body and how that was affecting how I felt. And then I actually then became really interested in the whole concept of the vagus nerve and the brain and the gut axis and the nerve that uh, the set of nerves that run between the brain and the abdomen and how those two can affect each other and how stress is a, um, a big effect on that and how the vagus nerve is really important for calming down our uh, sympathetic response, our fight and flight response and creating that parasympathetic relaxation response. And for me, that I found that really, really fascinating, that connection between the brain and the gut. And so I then started to read up a lot about it and came across sophrology, which I read about it in a magazine. And there's only there's one place in the UK down in Kent, an academy where you could train. And there was also the main academy in Geneva. So I actually did all my training online with people from all around the world, which was fantastic. And so the training was for 18 months. And then I decided that I would take it out into my particular passions, which uh, were sports, um, because I used to work in British tennis and also business, having worked in business and seen the the stress and the strain that that put on people and actually how yeah. similar the, the stresses and the pressures were of what athletes and also business people were experiencing. They're both experiencing fears of performance and stress and lack of sleep. So, um, so yes, that's the area that I went into. Absolutely fascinating stuff. And let's talk about sleep then, because I think that is just such a vital component of our well-being. And I have mm. to say, you know, I, I mentioned in the intro that I personally absolutely now prioritise sleep. I, I kind of almost ink it into my diary as an appointment with myself in bed to make sure that I get a decent night's sleep and early night, make sure that I'm always getting at least seven hours if I can. I have a little sleep routine, lavender drops on my pillow and having a... a earplugs to block out noise and all of that you know really fundamentally to make sure that I get a better night's sleep I know that you see a lot of people who have problems with getting to sleep how can sophrology help here what's your advice for them I think it's very much about sophrology helps a lot with conscious awareness of of your body and your mind and how that's affecting each other so I um, work with people, first of all, helping them to understand why they're not sleeping, what's what's stopping them from sleeping. And a lot of the time it's because the mind is, is racing around. And especially if people are juggling jobs and children and they're going to bed late because they're having to manage the getting to the children. I have teenage children and getting them to bed and then having yes, time for yourself to it. just... <laughs> just time to unwind before you go to bed is is difficult so encouraging people first of all around breathing really and helping them to understand the importance of diaphragmatic breathing rather than breathing just from the chest and I and I often get people to sort of just put 
put one hand on their stomach and one hand on their chest and just to really notice mm -hmm. where they're breathing from because being able to breathe from the diaphragm just really helps to bring down the heart rate. It brings down the blood pressure. It's, it's, it's incredibly relaxing. And I'm being doing aware. it right now. No, <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm, to... I'm shallow breathing, so I've I've got my hand on my stomach, and I'm making sure that that it you know it is moving. And interesting talking about breath work. I've spoken to a number of practitioners over the years here, and so many say that actually something that's simple and free that we all do, like breathing, is one of the most important things when it comes to looking after our well-being. Absolutely. And, and it's one of the things that we overlook so often because I think we, we just forget. We don't take notice. Again, it's this awareness of being aware of how we're breathing. We don't do that an awful lot of the time during, during our busy days. And actually, if we just stop, our bodies are telling us, you know, we're, if we're breathing from the chest, we're not getting enough oxygen in. We're not then getting the oxygenated blood going around the system to the same extent. And actually, it's also noticing whether we're breathing through our mouth or breathing through our nose. So nasal breathing is far more effective than breathing through the mouth because our nasal hairs will filter out the bacteria. They will warm the air into our lungs. We'll get more oxygen into the blood. So actually, it's getting people to learn how to breathe properly. So inhaling through the nose. And then often for stress and relaxation at bedtime is to exhale really slowly through the mouth as if you're sort of blowing out through a straw. And this just really helps to calm the body and relax the body. And, and there's several breathing techniques that we do with people. One is where you can just give yourself almost a hug and there's acupressure points just under your armpit. So if you were to cross your arms as if you're giving yourself a hug and just put your, your thumbs just on the both armpit, on opposite armpits. And that actually just helps to, and then breathe. And we sort of say, do that breathing about 30 times. So it's quite a long time, but it really helps to calm down the system. And once your body, your mind can only focus on one thing at a time. So if you're focusing on your breathing, if you're noticing where your breath is, whether it's in your chest or your diaphragm, if you're noticing and um, focusing on feeling how you're breathing and imagining that air going in and out of your system, then your mind hasn't got time to think about all the other thoughts that you're worrying about. I love that. I'm literally sitting here, I wish you could see me, with my arms folded, pressing under my armpits, concentrating on breathing through my diaphragm. Amazingly effective. And, you know, they do say the power of hugs is really important. And I read a study that said that if you want to have a hug with impact, it needs to be for at least four seconds. And I guess by doing this, you're self-hugging and you're triggering that physical pressure point in the body that is a wonderful self-hug. Even if you haven't got anybody around you to hug, you can hug yourself effectively. Exactly. And it gives you that sort of sense of protection. Um, so yes. it's, it's a really lovely warming sort of breathing technique. Um, and then also it's things like we... we so often we're able to tell ourselves, you meet other people who say, well, I just can't sleep. I've never been able to sleep and it's just something I can't do. And the brain then becomes very trained to thinking, well, I just, I can't sleep. And it's, there's actually, the brain's very, it has neuroplasticity. It's very malleable. And actually we are able to retrain our brains to be able to sleep and to imagine a good night's sleep. So some of the work that we do will always start with a breathing technique. We'll also teach people tension release exercises. So things like just scrumpling up the fists and really tensing the muscles and then relaxing again, just gives that complete relaxation feeling throughout the body. 
then it's starting to visualize and having visualizations. So perhaps visualizing when the, when the body's completely relaxed, being able to visualize yourself the next day, having had a fantastic night's sleep and starting to just notice how that feels in the body. And the more you practice that, so something about sophrology is that it's a bit like a sport. The more you practice it, the easier it gets and the more the brain starts to believe these things that you're telling it. So um, it could be, as I say, seeing yourself having had that great night's sleep. And if you do that on lots of occasions and practice that, you then start to actually believe that. So when you're going to bed, your brain actually believes that you're having this fantastic night's sleep. Or Whoa. it could be actually going and visualizing yourself going and having a fantastic night's sleep rather than the yeah. day after, but actually going through that whole process, getting ready for bed, going to bed, feeling the sheets and the pillows and, and feeling how your body feels, noticing your breathing. And again, I've had clients who've done that and come back and said, gosh, the difference, like, I slept so well, having not been able to sleep at all. So it's incredibly powerful how you can train your brain to actually believe that you can sleep. I think that's amazing. I've got a friend actually who really struggles with sleep and I'm so going to pass all these tips on because I think that sounds just so simple and so effective. Tell me, is there a difference then between being chronically unable to fall asleep or stay asleep as opposed to the sort of heightened one-offs when the brain is whirring, the monkey brain is jumping all over the place, maybe that stress or anxiety that's keeping you awake? Yes, I think for some people, they will lie in bed for hours, unable to sleep because they're just going through all their different worries and problems. Or for some people, unfortunately, it is the issue of if you're in front of a computer till late at night or watching television till late at night. Mm. I mean, one thing I always do now, which has massively helped with sleep, is um, wearing blue light glasses to reduce that, um, the amount of blue light that's going into our eyes because the blue light stops the melatonin, the sleep hormone being produced in the body. And therefore, um, if we're watching a screen or looking at our phones, our body will not be producing the melatonin it needs to produce in order for us to go to sleep. So blue light glasses are absolutely fantastic. Um, My children have, my husband has them. And if we're having to be on a screen, ideally not for about an hour and a half before sleep, but if you're having to be on a screen, at least that can start to help the brain and and the mind to think actually I've got to wind down now it's it's time to start getting ready for sleep and and it's getting into those routines of calming yourself down the hot bars the reading not watching the news just before going to bed anything that's going to stimulate the mind for those sort of tests for people who are really struggling to go to sleep there are other people who will be waking up in the middle of the night and Mm. uh, we are definitely in different we have sleep cycles that have five different stages of sleep cycles so you've got the first two stages which are a lot lighter so you're perhaps easier to wake in those situations whereas when you're in your deep sleep that's when the body's going through what's called autophagy, which is where the proteins, the old proteins are getting washed out. It's getting rid of the toxins in the brain. And you're starting to produce your uh, your cytokines, which are the proteins which are fighting inflammation and infection and things. They're really useful sleep. And and then there is the REM sleep, which is the dreaming sleep. And so for some people, they will wake at certain stages in the night, whether that's a dream that they've had and the brain is starting to get a lot quicker and the brain waves have suddenly sort of got a lot faster. The heart race is going a bit more and they might wake. And then sometimes that's very difficult to drift off back to sleep. And one thing I would say is to try and start associating with your mind that the 
the bedroom is somewhere for relaxation because if you're then lying in bed for a long time at night and your your brain will start to your mind will start to associate your your bed with being somewhere you can't sleep so the best thing is to take yourself out of that situation go into a different room read a book do something relaxing listen to relaxing music and then go back to the bedroom so that your brain is not associating the bedroom with lying in bed awake. Yeah, I love that. And I know somebody who wakes up without fail at three o'clock in the morning and, and really struggles. So I think that's going to be a very good tip to pass on. You talked about melatonin being the sleep promoting hormone. What about the role of cortisol? Because I've read that cortisol naturally spikes in the middle of the night, which is kind of unhelpful because it's the stress hormone. Is that something that can disrupt our sleep? Uh, yes, I think it can. It's I, I think when we're when we're dreaming and we are perhaps, uh, I mean, dreaming is incredibly interesting because of the way that it's our subconscious mind we're processing everything that's happened in the day and uh it really is going deep into actually our unconscious mind where all the where our brain's trying to make sense of everything that's going on and therefore there are certain times where the body will start to react to that uh, and sometimes you don't know where your dreams have come from and you're thinking why was i thinking that but that's when sometimes those nightmares will come and the body will automatically react to that with stress hormones and that that can create um, moments where we will wake up in pain or panic or fear and that is it's very unsettling and that's where sometimes the breathing techniques of just relaxing the body or the tension release techniques of just being able to relax and try and get back into to some sort of sleep routine and actually with um you mentioned your friend who wakes up at three o'clock in the morning and it may be that actually visualizing themselves sleeping through the whole night um, on a regular basis will really start to help with that because Mm. the brain is probably the mind is probably now programmed to wake at three o'clock in the morning and actually being able to try and program the the mind to seeing yourself sleeping till six seven o'clock in the morning may find that that will be helpful for them I think that's incredibly helpful, definitely. And interesting, you talk about dreams. And I know that when I'm stressed and anxious about something, that's when my anxiety dreams kick in. And for me, it's I'm always at the top of something. I hate heights. I have a real fear of heights. I'll get vertigo. And so for me, I'm sort of always in a building at the top of a lift. It's usually like a glass lift. So it's really scaring the pants off me. And then the lift breaks and I can't get down and I'm struggling. And, you know, it's a real indication, isn't it, that the the brain is processing anxiety and stress, recognising that it's having to cope during the day with a difficult situation that it perhaps doesn't see its way out of. So I guess it's a useful barometer too to be aware of when we do dream, to try and remember them perhaps and interpret them so that we can incorporate some stress reduction techniques during our waking hours so that we then get better sleep. Yes, definitely. I think um, we can, a lot of people have a recurring dream Mine is around, I, I'm at my university finals and I haven't read a book that I needed to read for my exam. Oh no. <laughs> and it's one, I haven't read it for a while, but actually that I had that a lot of times. And I think, again, it's looking into that and saying, what's that trying to tell me? And it's obviously, I didn't feel prepared for something and that anxiety around that. And so, um, and there are some nights where I can't remember anything that I've dreamt about, but other nights, if, 
if you're able to remember dreams, it's interesting to look at them and just sort of say, oh, what, are, what exactly is the brain processing there? What emotions am I processing at that point? And it, it may not be possible to identify them, but for sometimes, especially the more traumatic dreams, actually, it can be really useful. Well, I do want to dig more into trauma and stress management in particular a little bit more with you, Alice. And we're going to do that after this short break. So please stay with us. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Well, Alice, welcome back. And we're at the beginning of the new year, so we might suddenly be feeling bombarded with real-life stresses and pressures that perhaps we kind of managed to push away to one side over the festive period. So if we're talking about stress and anxiety and maybe dealing with trauma even, what are the best ways that sophrology can help with this and, and how and why are they working? So uh, with sophrology, it's the way that we go through the exercises starts with becoming, first of all, very aware of body, uh, our bodies and our physical sensations. So when we are stressed, you can often feel that the heart rate will go up, the breathing will become shallow, our palms might get sweaty. And this is very much the fight and flight response that our body will go into. It's becoming aware of these sensations when we're stressed. And then actually, that, that is the first bit is the awareness. Play. And then having a look at what is what is causing that. So we then look very much into the mind. And um, is it that we've got thoughts 
that are causing these stressful sensations in our body? Or is it that actually it's just we've got these emotions that are being driven by these thoughts? For example, you might be going to an event, it could be a parent's evening and you haven't been to one for a while, or it could be going to something where you're really nervous. And then it's actually just stopping and noticing what sensations am I feeling in the body? Where am I feeling that? Is it in my chest? Is it in my stomach? And starting to become aware of that and then being able to use some techniques, um, whether that is some of the exercises that we do might be things like just shrugging the shoulders up and down. So you inhale through the nose and you just shrug your shoulders up and down and then just exhale and dropping the shoulders and it's things like that are, that are just releasing tension slowly i'm shrugging um, as you speak and <laughs> exhaling and it feels oh. good we yeah. have to remember don't we we have to remind ourselves i've got a friend who has a, her laptop screen actually covered with little post-it note stickers on the side that say things like breathe and get up stand up stretch move so, you know, just taking those moments, I guess, is just stopping that accumulation of buildup of stress in the body with the physicality of it. It's just, I guess, programming that into our brain that it becomes a regular pattern of behaviour. Yes, definitely. And and I think it's also important to look at the language we use around it because we often will use stress as a sort of an umbrella term for everything. And stress is really when we've got too many demands and too few resources to meet it. So it might be you're juggling children and a job and a dog to walk and a cooking a supper and lots of other things and that can create a sort of stress whereas sometimes it might be actually that you're suffering from anxiety which is actually more around this sort of perceived uncertainty around the future so is it something that you're actually really worried about that's coming up whether it's a, a job interview or whether it's there's a concern about one of your children something like that so or is it pressure that something the the way that you're behaving or the way that the expectations on you are causing causing issues and causing you to worry and so it's sort of looking at lots of different areas of what we tend to call stress but actually might have different causes so it's understanding the causes and it could be for example, I had a friend who was got really, really um, sort of anxious around having injections and said to me, I, I just don't know why I don't go into having these injections feeling like I'm nervous. I don't feel particularly nervous about it. But every time I go in, I think that I'm going to faint. And I said to them, well, have you ever in your past had an issue with injections? And when they thought about it, they said, oh, actually, when I was 15, I had an injection into my knee and it was incredibly painful. And I said, well, actually what's happened is that memory has been stored in the mind somewhere back in that sort of unconscious mind and your body is now starting to reenact that even though you're not conscious of that. And so it's sort of, first of all, noticing the body, but it's also noticing the mind and what is the mind doing that might be causing these sensations in the body. And so we do a lot of work around noticing the mind, noticing where thoughts are coming from, understanding emotions which is really important because that is emotions are very much more a sort of a temporary reaction to a stressor um, and understanding that these emotions are not they're not you they're not part of you they are just something that will pass and therefore once you can recognize emotions once you can sort of understand them and and take that power away by labeling them you can start to take the power away from them slightly then you can really start to help yourself when you're coming into stressful situations. I've had conversations recently with people who have had deep trauma 
at some point in their early life, which for many, many years, decades mostly, has gone unrecognised and unremembered. But it is there, locked away in the brain, even if we've chosen deliberately or um, subconsciously to forget it. Is that part of your work, that you help people to realise that perhaps some of the physical reactions that they're having now in their body is because their brain is holding on to some past trauma that perhaps does need to be brought out so it can be recognised and dealt with and and kind of neutralised? Yes, so definitely a degree of some of the work that we do is actually going back into the past, being able to go back into childhood memories or more recent memories, adults or teenagers, and actually, first of all, recognising those emotions and not trying to deny them, but actually sitting with them, noticing where they are in the body, and then starting to, because that will automatically, once you do actually recognize and focus on those emotions, you can start to really reduce the power of them. But then also um, some of the work we do is almost looking back and almost seeing yourself talking to your, your child self or your teenage self with the wisdom that you have in the present and almost being able to have that conversation as if you're in the present and being able to say, actually, don't worry about certain things that have happened in the past. It's okay. And as you get older, you're going to be you're going to be fine. And you're in the present now, almost instructing your younger self that everything's okay. And there's a lot of work around. We do carry an awful lot of trauma inside without knowing it. It's, it's stored back in the unconscious mind. And, and what we tend to do is we live they say so for 95% of the time in our unconscious mind and only 5% of that time we're actually in the conscious mind. So if so much of that is stored back in the unconscious mind where a lot of our thoughts are driven by the unconscious, a lot of our actions are driven by it. So actually it's just going and noticing, perhaps going back into the past and being, and you have to be very careful around this because obviously There are some people who do genuinely need different help. And so we'd always be very careful with who we work with. But actually helping people to sort of to recognise where perhaps some of those actions in the present are actually coming from something that happened perhaps in the past. Yes, that's astonishing. 95% in the unconscious mind. I think looking ahead now, moving on from the past and looking ahead, and we can't really talk about the new year without talking about goal setting. And so many of us have super grand ambitions, don't we, in January, perhaps too grand, and, you know, set ourselves up to fail even before we start. How can we get out of this kind of negative loop that so often happens when we feel bad about ourselves because we haven't achieved what we set out to do or what we would like to be? Where would you start with setting achievable goals right now? I think one of the most important things is understanding why you're doing something and understanding, getting to know really yourself and the need what what you're trying to answer so if it's good advice uh, I think if you're doing a a new year fitness program and you're setting yourself an unrealistic goal of doing something in a month really um is to actually look at it and say why am I wanting to do this is it intrinsically because I want to feel better or is it extrinsically because we want to look better in our lycra or we want to impress somebody or and so it's really getting to know yourself and getting to know what's driving that behavior and then sort of looking at what your values are really and saying well actually what's important to me 
And therefore, does that really fit in with what's important to me? Because once you really get to know and understand yourself, your values, the way you want to live your life, then actually perhaps needing to look good in lycra doesn't become quite as important. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's so interesting and I think very relevant too for so many of us here today and I know my audience listening, so many of us in midlife Mm. and perhaps considering a daunting change of direction, whatever that may be, whether it's in our relationships, our home life, our work environment, change of health status, you know, so many areas of change happen when we hit midlife and beyond. So starting to think about where we even want to be in life and what is driving us you know let alone how we get there that kind of comes later doesn't it but you're saying you know you really before you set those goals you have to address the why and then you look at the how definitely I think it's more just having more of the self-awareness and I think a lot of that does come from being able to really ground yourself in your body and actually to rather than we almost walk around with a sort of different costumes on of being the either the mother who's sort of being able to cope with everything or the amazing person at business but actually these are all different shields that we have that we need to sort of almost strip those layers away and go back down to grounding ourselves in the body because that is the safest place really that is where you then start to really get in touch with your inner self and actually that's when you can really start to understand what is important and then a lot of the time I think we with certainly with new news resolutions and we're wanting to change something really dramatically and it's just being able to take a step back and say well actually I think gradual change is far more effective than saying well I'm going to be able to clear my inbox by the end of the month it's like well okay this that might not be realistic and and what's driving that so it could be that you're feeling out of control well okay if you're feeling out of control then why is that and where are the small steps that you can put in place just small ones that are realistic perhaps every week tell yourself well I'm going to clear a certain amount of of emails but not it's not realistic that we're ever going to clear our inboxes it's not realistic that we're going to be running 5 or 10k every day it's just trying to break it down but also to just take time i think especially over the festive period it's always so busy and we don't have time to ourselves and once come the new year it gives us time now just to relax just to really start to do some of that inner work to really start to really understand ourselves have a bit more self-awareness about our feelings our thoughts what's driving those thoughts where are those thoughts coming from what what emotions are we feeling in our body how are those affecting how we feel and how's those feelings affecting how we're acting so a lot of it starts with the thoughts and emotions that then translate themselves into how we behave and that could be that we feel that we need to be going out and changing our lives dramatically but it's almost stripping it all back. Interesting that you touch on our emotions there because I think midlife can be an extremely tricky time for our emotions for ourselves and also for managing those of people around us and of course our emotions do manifest themselves physically we we might get a, a racing heart or sweaty hands or for example are these physical signs really helpful pointers then that we need to identify something within our emotions and then work out how we can quell them or or calm them and use them perhaps to our advantage 
I think there's certainly a degree of a sort of the stress response in the body from certain emotions can be useful. So a small amount of stress within the body is useful. So it may be that just getting that adrenaline kick, if you're going in to do a presentation at work and you haven't been to work, you've got a new job and you're going back to work for the first time after kids and you're feeling a bit nervous, but actually that adrenaline can actually be incredibly helpful on sort of a low level basis. What the problem is, is that it's the ongoing, for example, we might have small level doses of stress every day. So it's the the waking up and perhaps there's family tension and then there's emails and there's text messages and, and these build up and build up and build up and then they accumulate into ongoing stress, which can become quite chronic. And that is when the body, if it's constantly having to go into this fight and flight response, which is when our heart rate's racing, our palms are sweaty, our blood pressure goes up, all of these sort of reactions, which are natural responses that our body has had since time immemorial is but the problem is when that's constant the body just can't cope with that on a regular basis so it's then that we have to it's trying to prevent ourselves from getting to that point because often when you're at that point and it's it's chronic it, it gets too late it's very difficult and then a lot of work needs to be done and in sorting that out whereas if you can start to notice these things is my heart is my breathing really shallow actually I need to start breathing properly from my diaphragm and start to notice that before it gets too intense then actually and and just being aware of when the body is becoming stressed and being able to just activate what we call the parasympathetic nervous system that balancing out that bringing the heart rate down and that can be through the sort of the breathing through the stretching exercises through tension release or just even simply sitting closing your eyes and thinking of somewhere really beautiful it doesn't have to be real it could be imaginary or real somewhere you love to be a special place where you feel really calm and relaxed and just those sorts of imagery and using that imagination that children have but we so often don't use when Mm. we get to adulthood and just tapping into that creative mind can really start to bring those stress responses down so so helpful and of course if we have calmer bodies and brains as well that's presumably going to help stop us reacting impulsively when we do get those moments of stress so that we've built in some resilience there and we're better able to cope because after all let's face it life is going to chuck stress at us but I guess a lot of what you're saying is about building that inner resilience and techniques to help us all be able to cope better in stressful moments yes exactly exactly and there's, as you said, there's there's always going to be a stressful situation, but it's being able to act rather than react. And it's being able to, with sophrology, it's about finding that sort of moment of pause in the brain where actually we can just have that, that moment of always connecting with your inner self and being able to have a moment of pause where you can just calmly sort of stop yourself from reacting to stress whether that is verbally getting annoyed or whether that is the with the body going into a stress situation it's just this whole self-awareness conscious awareness of what's going on can really help us to stop ourselves from before we get into that stressful situation Absolutely brilliant, Alice. Thank you so much for chatting with me today. I'm going to be taking away a lot of helpful advice and information. I love the fact that we can do it all ourselves. We can do it at home. It's free. It's relatively easy and straightforward. And you've given us so much to equip ourselves with. I'm really grateful for your time. Thank you. 
pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Well, wonderful chat, didn't you think? So useful. I have got so much that I have jotted down mentally to take away and to do. One line that I loved actually at the end was when Alice talked about how we should act, not react. Really important. And there is, of course, so much that we can do. And self-awareness is really important to help us with all of this. So grateful thanks to Alice. And there is so much more on LizOurWellbeing.com that will help you move through any of the struggles that you might be having this month. So you can find us, LizelleWellbeing.com. And of course, the website is where you can also sign up for the free weekly newsletter. This comes out at tea time every Friday, just in time for the weekend. And it's always filled with plenty more tips for living well. And thank you to you for getting in touch, by the way. Like Victoria, who left this message on Apple Podcasts, she says, I love Liz's honest, open approach from everything from relationships to menopause to skincare and gut health. Well, yes, I'm nothing if not honest and transparent. She goes on to say, a fantastic midlife podcast. Well, that's fabulous to hear. Thank you very much, Victoria. And yes, I do hope that across all of our many, many episodes, you find the little nuggets of knowledge that feel most important to your daily life. And if you'd like to get in touch, I am at Lizelle Me and at Lizelle Wellbeing on social media. And just like Victoria's, I always love reading your reviews on whichever platform you like listening on too. Make sure you're following the podcast so you're back here with me next week because my guest and I are going to absolutely blow your mind with a lot more incredibly empowering medical knowledge. So until next time we chat, go well. Bye-bye. The Liz Earle Wellbeing Show is presented by me, Liz Earle, and is produced by Anushka Tate for Fresh Air Production, with additional production support from Ellie Smith. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.